everyone, David Oakes here with another episode of Season 3 of Trees A Crowd. Season 3 is where I have been forced away from face-to-face interviews and have shunned the opportunity to talk to people over Zoom and have instead chosen to sit outside with a microphone and talk about the trees I can seize in front of me's. So, I ended last week by looking at the Bristol White Beam, a hybrid of the White Beam and this week's tree. It was as if I was foreshadowing what was to come, as if these scripted tree maquettes were prepared in advance with carefulness and consideration. It would be ridiculous if I was just making this all up on the hoof and trying to make it appear professional by simply whacking a jingle at the beginning. Uprooting the secrets and stories beneath the 56-ish native trees of the British Isles. Right, you're to be forgiven for not knowing much about this week's tree. It is a tree of mysteries. Everything about it is either half forgotten or half misremembered. It is a tree of confusion. Its name, even, which I will say in a minute, cannot say it until Bella sings it, may come from the old English word cipher, meaning chaste or sober. Or it could come from the Romans' word for beer, cerevisia. And I'm not entirely convinced that one can be both of those two things simultaneously. But whether sober, chaste, or as drunk as a Roman emperor... Should you be able to find an example of this week's tree growing in the wild, it truly is a treat, despite the rather dull-sounding name. So, tree 27 is... Wild Service Tree. Exactly, Bella. The tragically named Wild Service Tree, Sorbus Torminalis. The Wild Service Tree is a member of the Sorbus genus, along with last week's White Beam and next week's Rowan Tree. It grows to a similar height as the white beam and has smooth winter buds, green and with brown edges, identical to the white beam, albeit lacking the white beam's slightly furry tufts. It even produces the same glorious white blossom as both of its relatives, and indeed, like most native tree members of the whole Rosaceae family, roses are white in the British native tree world, at least. And, as previously discussed, the wild service tree happily interbreeds with both other native members of the Sorbus genus, the white beam and the rowan. But despite all of these similarities, you'd be highly unlikely to mistake a wild service tree for a white beam, or indeed a rowan for that matter, for two main reasons. The leaves and the fruits. So if you would like to hear about the wild service's leaves first, whisper leaves now. And if you'd like to hear about wild service fruit first, mumble fruit. Wonderful! You selected timber. Wild service trees can reach roughly 25 metres in height and were highly prized for their timber. Indeed, it was the most valuable hardwood grown throughout Europe. It is very strong and yet very flexible, and it has a particularly close grain, making it resistant to warping and to splitting. So what could you make with it? Second only to the U. The Wild Service's flexibility made it perfect for the use in bows, and its rigidity and shatter resistance meant it could also be used for the arrows too. It was used for cart axles, for gun stocks, and as the jacks in harpsichords, the wooden parts that pluck the string and make that gloriously unique sound. It was also harvested widely for making billiard and snooker cues. But perhaps more exciting than all of those combined... The same shatterproof qualities that made it perfect for use by Steve Davis meant that it was traditionally used for making jousting lances. 
Written in Old French by Juan de Mary in the 13th century, the poem Tonnement de l'Antachrist says Lances orantes, forts effrétés, qu'alliance fiste d'Alizier, et haute chascune fêliée, le blanc pénoncelle de sa lance à quatre frésios d'alliance. In French, Elysier is the word for the wild service tree, and roughly translated, that bit of the poem says, The lances made by the alliance from wild service were decorated with the white pennant and the four ribbons of the alliance. Now, as I haven't been read the entire poem by the award-winning French film director of Cold Skin, Xavier Jean, thanks, Sav, I have to simply presume that this alliance that they're talking about isn't in reference to Luke, Leia, Han and Chewbacca, but I could be wrong. Star Wars is, after all, a legend from a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far, far away, which definitely predates 13th century France, although there are not that many trees on Hoth, mind. Very niche joke. Anyway, today, in our galaxy at least, because of its fine grain and silvery sheen, Wild Service is ideal for ornamental inlaying in furniture. Or at least that is when it can be found. But back to the leaves of our three Sorbus trees and why you will always be able to tell the three apart. Last week's white beam has simple, big leaf-shaped leaves. Imagine a leaf drawn by your niece or nephew in green crayon. They look pretty much like that. Whereas next week's rowan tree has what we call compound leaves, which to a layman looks like lots of little, simple, relatively normal leaf-shaped leaves, but much smaller. Now, in reality, these small compound leaves are called leaflets. There are normally, on the rowan, between 9 to 15 of them, and they are all arranged in a nice orderly pattern. But back in the evolutionary depths of time, these 9 to 15 leaflets of the rowan were probably just one leaf, one that has evolved over time to appear as a group of miniature impersonators. Simple leaves maximise the tree's access to vital sunshine, whereas compound leaves spread out the leaves' tissue, minimise the surface area, and in doing so reduce the tree's wind resistance and water loss through evaporation. For this reason, compound leaves can often be found in desert plants that have more than enough sunshine. And there are also theories suggesting that compound leaves arose to make the tree less desirable for grazing animals. But there's some doubt about that. Now, the earliest leaf fossils mankind has so far discovered have been a mixture of both the simple leaves and the compound leaves, which means we're not entirely sure which came first. There is still much debate as to whether compound leaves evolved from simple leaves, from one big leaf into many small leaflets, or vice versa. Either way, the first fossil leaf, if ever discovered, would be the holy grail for the paleobotanist and would answer a great many questions about plant evolution. But back to this week's tree. What our wild service represents is an intermediary point. It does not have compound leaves like the rowan, nor a traditionally shaped simple leaf like the white beam. Wild service leaves look very much like the leaf is in the process of shifting from simple to compound, or from compound to simple. You see, wild service leaves are palmately lobed, like your hand's palm, with stubby pointy fingers or lobes coming off a central mass. They look like a maple or a sycamore leaf, but slightly elongated. And come autumn, these bright green leaves turn to an electric yellow, and then to a deep scarlet with an almost bronze sheen, before falling to the ground and carpeting the woodland floor in glorious colour. It is undeniable 
that the wild service's leaves, through their shape and colourings, are always among the most striking of any season. And for this reason alone, it is upsetting that this tree is becoming increasingly rare. Which brings me on neatly to their fruits. Fruits of the lesery, that's what they call the wild service in Gloucestershire, are known as sorb berries or sorb apples, sarvies or serbs if you live in Sussex too, but most people simply call them checkers. This is supposedly due to their speckled slash checkered appearance. The prevalence also of wild service trees on the estate of the Prime Minister's residence, checkers, is one theory as to how the house got its name. Although this checkers was also once owned by a man who had a chessboard on his coat of arms, so which came first, the checker or the chessboard? Although much smaller, all the fruits of the Sorbus genus are similar in design to those of the apple or the pear. But while the blossom of all three of our Sorbuses are a creamy white, and the fruit of the white beam and a rowan both ripen to a nice bright red, the fruit or poem of the wild service, the checker if you will, turn a thoroughly unappetising brown colour. These turd-coloured chessboard poems, if you can find them, are best eaten after bletting. That's decomposition following being frozen. Now, I've never tried them, but they are said to taste like dates crossed with almonds or tamarinds crossed with dried apricots, depending upon who you talk to. For example, Richard Maybe in Flora Britannica describes the taste as... Not quite like anything else that grows wild in this country, with hints of apricot, sultana, overripe damson and tamarind, and a lightly gritty texture. But regardless of what they taste like, an 18th century dictionary says that... Sorb apples are good to purge watery humours, and against the scurvy. For checkers are extremely rich in vitamin C, and were given to children as sweets in winter right up until the early 20th century. And the medicinal value of the fruit is how the plant got its name. Torminalis means good for colic. Traditionally, they were used to cure tormina, which are gripes, stomach cramps, basically. Prior to the wide use of hops, checkers were also used to flavour beer, which many argue, but cannot prove, is how checkers inns got their name. The link also between the word service and the aforementioned Roman cerevisia, the root of the Spanish cerveza, helps embed this folk truth further. And today, a disproportionate number of oldie country pubbies can be found with a lesery in their garden, so perhaps there might be some truth to it. But as you're unlikely to find a checker-flavoured beer, in part due to their increasingly shrinking population of trees, and in part because the trees only start bearing fruit after about 30 years, the only readily available drinkable wild-service plonk is a stunningly expensive Austrian liqueur that takes 10 kilograms of berries to make. And if you enjoy listening to this podcast, I will place a link to how to buy it and my home address on the Trees A Crowd website, treesacrowd.fm slash 56trees. So why are wild service trees becoming increasingly hard to find by people other than members of camera? Well, as already mentioned, the tree was massively harvested for its great timber, and the service only produces fruit and seeds after about 30 years, and even then, only in especially hot summers, something that is never guaranteed here. But here's also another possible two-part half-hypothesis. Exhibit A. The wild service is a particularly shade-tolerant tree and survives well in, and is most often found in, the understory of ancient woodlands. Exhibit B. 
The dull brown checkers are a delicacy for wood pigeons whose gut softens the seed perfectly for ongoing propagation. But today, a changing climate, which brings with it an influx of Scandinavian thrushes, means the pigeons rarely get the mammoth feeding sessions they may have once been used to. Now these two exhibits lead Oliver Rackham in his glorious book Woodlands to posit this theory. Few ancient woodland indicators have wind-dispersed seeds. Many have fleshy fruits which are meant to be dispersed by birds or mammals, but the wrong sort of birds eat them or else fail to disperse the seeds. Have these lost their vectors? Has the Wild Service lost its natural wild seed-dispersing partner? This being the case, the Wild Service mostly reproduces these days vegetatively by sending out suckers. As I write this, only 2.5% of Britain is ancient woodland. Woodlands that existed prior to the first maps. That's since 1600 in England and Wales and 1750 in Scotland. These early maps suggest that these ancient landscapes have held woodlands for centuries, perhaps even millennia, long since the arrival of cartographers. This means, perhaps more exciting than the Wild Service tree alone, which is thrilling, ancient woodlands also hold irreplaceable complex communities of plants, fungi, insects, especially saproxylix, which are invertebrates skilled at breaking down wood, and other microorganisms. But with mankind impinging upon these habitats, Ancient woodlands are also home to more threatened species than any other habitat on the entirety of the British Isles. The wild service's rareness as a species, and its prevalence within increasingly endangered habitats, led to the Royal Botanical Gardens in Kew to plant three wild service trees in November of 2009 to mark the 250th anniversary. But if you want to see a larger tree than the three at Kew, a glorious example, perhaps, of how a majestic wild service tree can look. Perhaps one that Richard may be even singled out to mention in his writings. One with a trunk 13 foot in girth. One that in a good year can produce as much as two tons of berries. One that looks majestic in its full, stunning, scarlet autumnal regalia. Then you should look no further than the one at Parsonage Farm in Udemore in East Sussex which died in a storm. You can find a picture to it on our website. So, best get out into some ancient habitats and start exploring for yourself. So, one more Sorbus to go next week. My namesake, the Rowan. My middle name's actually David, my first name's Rowan. Lots of trees, I know. Anyway, there's a lot of folklore about the Rowan, like the most of any tree in this series, so it's going to take a lot of pruning. Anyway, until next week, leave us a review, join us on Patreon, send me some expensive Austrian Checker brandy. I'll repeat that, send me some expensive Austrian Checker brandy. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Up the secrets and stories beneath the 56-ish native trees of the British Isles. Me again, it's the credits. I've already said thanks to Zav for his old French. Thank you again, Zav. But I also need to send my massive appreciation to Rob Heaps for his maybe and for his Rackham and for him finding some wonderful Yorkshire sheep to appropriately illuminate his voiceovers further still. Thank you, Rob. You're a wonder. Anyway, that's it for this week. As always, please tell your friends about us. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Review us on Spotify. Can you do that? I don't think so. Join us on Patreon, etc., etc. And I look forward to seeing you all next week for more trees. Bye-bye.